While not a direct match to the post-World War II military-industrial complex, these economic and industrial influences created a shadow nexus for interest. A sacrifice in a grander game of global dominance. Now let's unravel another layer. Diary entries point a vivid picture of prevailing tensions that unease the ONI. These diary entries documented in the Dutch presented in George Victor's The Pearl Harbor Myth ranking is unthinkable. <laughs> Welcome, dear listeners, to the Big Man's Commander Podcast. I'm going to guide you through the dark corridors of history. Now, my name is Matthew J. Lepore, and we are going to dive into a bit of a different situation here. We are going to descend into the shadows where whispers of betrayal, hidden agendas linger over the Pearl Harbor attack. Forget what you know about the historical consensus, because for a moment we dare to entertain the chilling notion of a sinister plot. So fasten your seatbelt, because this journey is about to plunge us into the murky depths of Pearl Harbor advanced knowledge theory. Before we delve into the shadows of Pearl Harbor, let's set the stage. The world was gripped by the flames of war. The year was 1941 and the Axis powers, where their insatiable appetite for conquest, cast a menacing shadow across Europe and Asia. Meanwhile, the United States found itself reluctantly itching towards the involvement of the global conflict. But during this time, intelligence agencies faced the daunting task of gathering and, and interpreting the information that was limited during that time. I mean, communication was what it was at that time. The chessboard of the geopolitics was complex and the pieces were moving in ways that would shape the destiny of nations. Now, picture a world in the brink, teetering between hope and dread basically a powder keg waiting to happen. Make sure you're paying attention because this thing continues to stay crazy. Transport yourself into the tranquility of Hawaii, December 6, 1941. What if the calm before the storm was concealed, not just an attack, but a meticulously orchestrated act of ill will? Picture the precision of the Japanese forces, not as an act of war, but a sinister ritual, painting the Pacific red. The intelligence officers, no more than strategists, but architects of doom, decoding messages that sealed the fate of thousands. Envision a subtle undercurrent beneath the surface, a secret whispering among conspirators, altering the course of history. Now plunge into the human drama, the lives disrupted, dreams shattered, and the ominous truth of the obscured by the smoke ring of wreckage. Imagine, as the day unfolded, the ominous truth that occurred by the mistake of everything happening and the strings of fate guiding the attackers and the attacked alike. The tragedy wasn't just a result of war, but a manifestation of a calculated grand plan that unfolded with meticulous precision. Now let's peel back another layer of the sinister tale. In the months leading up to the attack, advertisements featuring the Daily Double appeared, appeared in the American magazines. These seamlessly simple ads showed a bunch of images with identical items side by side, inviting readers to spot the difference. However, in the post-war years, these ads drew suspicion. Conspiracy theories posted a sinister twist, but these seamlessly harmless ads may have contained a coded message. Imagine that. Um, Whispers in the shadows suggest that the unknown agencies and or agents possibly working in concert with the impending attack on Pearl Harbor use these ads to covent which, all their communication. They wanted to try to find and hide little things for every single person that was out there looking to, to decode these messages. And then this sinister idea with these ads innocently engaging the readers in a visual puzzle where in reality, a clandestine method of relaying information, what messages were hidden and the daily double. And indeed does serve as a sinister, you know, 
harboring of different ideas that are in these and the impending tragedy. But the chilling possibility invites us not just to question the leadings up to Pearl Harbor, but the covenant means by which information may have been transmitted under the guise of the ordinary life. A deceptive, devious acts that cast a long shadow over the conspiracy theory surrounding the faithful day. But as we transverse these shadows, we want to look into the corridors of history. Consider the purple cipher. Now, I didn't hear about this before, but I had to do a little bit more diving for you guys. But it was a, it was a, a cryptic key that unlocked Japan's diplomatic code. Intercepted messages hidden within the impending attack and a calculated scheme was set in motion. However, the decoded purple messages weren't widely dismissed, but the key information was kept within exclusive circles, hidden from those who could use it to prevent the attack, but this selective withholding of crucial intelligence raises a lot of questions about whether or not the forces were complicit in knowing all the tragedy and if they were not. So it's, it's, it's kind of all widely unsure, but looking this up was kind of a wild situation. But Simultaneously considering the aftermath, the nation was grappling with shock and horror. And the Roberts Commission, this is where it gets crazy, the Roberts Commission convinced not just the V, not just to investigate, but to conceal the clandestine truce. So within these confines of these investigations, deliberate, deliberate misdirection and reconnaissance occurred during this unsettling truce that would kind of unveil the uh, orchestrators of this calculated plan. So, as the official reports were released in public, it wasn't just random information that, you know, faced these censors, uh, faced these censors pen, critically detailed relations intercepted the communications. There were warnings, and there were potential fourth knowledge of a deliberate attack on Pearl Harbor. So, um, an insidious act was veiled, a full scope of knowledge available. But the only question is, what covert truths concealed behind these blacked out lines? The redactions weren't merely a bureaucratic necessity, but a deliberate effort to control the narrative, perpetrating a secret of cover-up that echoed through the corridors of power. Now imagine this. This this uh, this tangled a web of the Daily Double, all those ads that you guys were seeing and that you're going to see on the screen and things like that, the Purple Cipher, which is absolutely insane. Like, I've never heard of that until I heard about this. The redacted documents invites us to reconsider the events surrounding Pearl Harbor, urging us to peer beyond the original and the official narrative into the shadow realm of the covert communications and the concealed truths. All of this kind of trans uh, corresponds to everything that's kind of happening. So take a look at all this kind of stuff. And I urge you to look at all these other informations just outside of this too. And I'll try to leave the descriptions below for you guys. As we dig deeper into this aftermath, if you so call it, the Roberts Commission emerges with this central figure of the narrative. They convened to investigate the Pearl Harbor attack and this body wasn't solely dedicated to uncovering the truth it carried the weight of a hidden agenda. Now, let's kind of illuminate the shadows of the deception that clouded around these proceedings of the Robber Commission. Imagine a stage where actors weren't merely investigators, but players in a carefully crafted drama, deliberate misdirection, veiled the sinister truth, steering the narrative away from those who held the strings. Imagine all that's right. One glaring example of this deceit lies in the Commission's handling of key witnesses. Picture this. Critical figures with the first-hand knowledge individuals who could be unveiled through this conspiracy were other omitted and conveniently downplayed. Their voices echoed to the dark where they were considered the case of, of Captain John Ranfleth. Ran, 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 Raneft? Raneft. I have a tie to that name. Someone's going to, in the comment section, is going to rip me for that one. Um, an intelligence officer stationed in the Pacific, he cites his in intercepted Japanese message and it shed a lot of light on the foreknowledge of the attack, yet this testimony was conspicuously absent in the commission's official report. Imagine that. 
when I read that, I was like, how was no one talking about this? Why is no one like convening to this knowledge? Um, so you're going to see it all up here, but definitely check this out. But the thing is, is why were those who were held vital information kept in the wings? Their ideas were just suppressed. Furthermore, the commission operated under a cloud of secrecy, conducting closed-door sessions that were shielded from the critical details from a public scrutiny. The information that did reach the public domain was carefully curated. <laughs> yeah, so painting a sanitized picture that masked the darker truths lurking within the background, imagine the commission as a theoretical production where the script was tailored not to reveal the full story but to serve a carefully crafted narrative. Certain actors took their center stage while others relegated to the sidelines. Their untold stories buried beneath the layers of bureaucratic confusion. And then there was a bit of an issue of timing. A calculated dance, if you guys so to call it, where the release of the information was choreographed to deflect attention from uncomfortable truths. Critical details were conveniently displayed and uh, delayed for strategically omitted, creating a bit of a distorted timeline and served the interest for those who were pulling the strings. As we uncover these layers of deceit within the Roberts Commission, it becomes evident that the body wasn't a neutral arbiter in the truth that was upon us, which a carefully scripted drama played out. These actors, knowingly or unknowingly, participated in a grand performance designed to protect certain interests that perpetrated a version of history that suited those who held the reins. So now guys, we are going to dissect the conspiracy further by examining the motives and the player and the players that were involved who stood to gain them the attack of Pearl Harbor. The geopolitical landscape was complex, and the United States, while initially hesitant to enter the war, found itself thrusted into a stage of global conflict. Now imagine a clandestine group embedded within the military industrial complex, a nexus of influential figures from the defense contractors, high-ranking military officials, and politicians. This shadowy, shadowy cable saw the attack on Pearl Harbor as a golden opportunity. The motive was not solely driven by the patriotism and the response to the threat posed by the Axis powers, but by the calculated desire to escalate the conflict to a full-scale in the intricate dance of the international relations, a document emerges that adds fuel to the conspiracy theories surrounding this Pearl Harbor incident, right? The Pearl Harbor attack. The McCollum Memo. When I read this, let me tell you something. It was prepared by the Naval Intelligence Officer Commander Arthur, Arthur H. McCollum in 1940. This memo outlines strategies to deal with the rising tensions between the United States and Japan. Some argue that the strategies proposed in this memo could have provoked Japan into taking aggressive actions, providing a, you know, catalyst for all this to happen and really kind of getting the U.S. to enter the war initially, right? Now, it's crucial to this approach that this critical eye, while the existence of the McCollum memo is documented, its interpretation is a subject of historical debate. Roberts did its day of deceit. Explores this theory suggesting that the elements within the U.S. government may have had more foreknowledge of the impending attack on Pearl Harbor. However, the mainstream historical consensus does not support this idea of the deliberate plot to provoke the attack. Most histori historians attribute this event to the failure of intelligence and the communication rather than intentional manipulation. So as we dissect this conspiracy, the evasion and the puppet masters within yeah the, the military industrial complex pulling strings behind the scenes the attack on pearl harbor wasn't a response to this external aggression it was a meticulously calculated move by a covert group seeking turns in the tide of war ensuring both of this economic prosperity and the unprecedented political influence the shadow cable within the military industrial complex didn't merely react to the events they orchestrated them using what we appeared within the steps of this conspiracy remember that the history was often concealed more than it reveals 
you see it in everything. It conceals way more than it reveals almost in everything. And now we're seeing now that aliens are real. We all kind of knew it was a thing, but as we're kind of going more in depth, the government's like, hey guys, they're real. But we're all like, hey, taxes. But as we peer into the depths of, the cons- of this conspiracy, remember those things, right? We want to shape it and be as complex and not as shadowy as the events themselves, but, you know, who knows? It's history. As we delve into the shadows of influence, let's examine the economic and industrial factors that may have played a role in the industrial complex that emerged in the post-World War II era. Elements of this complex were already in play. Consider the economic landscape in the late 1930s. And, well, I guess you can see the early 1940s as well. The industries, particularly like those who tied the defense production, held significant sway. War has often been described as a catalyst for economic recovery, and nations, even in times of peace, maintain, industri- uh, maintain their industries capable of swiftly transitioning to wartime production. You hear about it all the time. In the lead up to Pearl Harbor, certain industries thrived on the military contracts. Arms manufacturers, shipbuilders, and even other defense-related sectors were the centerpieces of this nation's preparedness for war. The economic interests intertwined with the national security, creating a complex web for influence. So, one big example I'm going to kind of bring up for you guys. One big example of, of this strategic significance of Pearl Harbor has a naval base, right? The U.S. Pacific Fleet's presence in Hawaii was not only a deterrent, but also a symbol of American military might. This industry involved in naval construction and maintenance and the benefit of sustainability with its expansion and fortification of these bases. Additionally, envision a scenario where war, while a devastating reality, presented an economic opportunity for certain sectors. The call for the increase in military preparedness fueled demand for weapons, ships, and other war-related materials, but the economic ties between industry and the military became a driving force, potentially influencing decisions made by policymakers. Think about that. While not a direct match to the post-World War II military-industrial complex, these economic and industrial influences created a shadow nexus for interests, a symbolic relationship between military needs and economic growth. Raises questions about whether or not these factors were to impact the lead up to this fateful day of uh, December 1941. But as you kind of navigate through the shadows of the uh, of the influence of these people in these situations, consider how many economic interests the militaries were, uh, any military, but especially the U.S. military, was intertwined with shaping the geopolitical landscape and setting the stage for Pearl Harbor. So as we delve into the shadows of history, some narratives suggest a close manipulation of the geopolitical chessboard. As we set the stage for Pearl Harbor, while these claims remain alleged, I'm going to try to be painting a compelling picture of the intricate moves on the world stage. One alleged conspiracy poses certain factors within the U.S. government sought to maneuver the nations into the global stage of World War II. Strategically, of course. Picture a geopolitical chessboard where the opposing pieces becomes crucial in shaping the narrative and determining the course of history. A controversial theory around this, is, as we talked about before, is the McCollin Memo. Right, We're going to dive more into this now. A documenting outline the strategies that could provoke Japan into the, it to be the aggressor and kind of giving you this catalyst of uh, events to happen. While interceptions vary, some of these theorists allege the elements within the U.S. government may have been intentionally pushed Japan to the brink orchestrating a scenario that would justify American to en- uh, America to enter the war. Now consider the delicate dance of the alliances and the betrayals of, the, of this geopolitical chessboard, if so call it, as we've said before. Alleged whispers suggest the U.S. sought a more active role in the conflict but needed catalysts to shock the public opinion. Some of the theorists proposed that the elements of the government viewed the attack on Pearl Harbor as a strategic move. A sacrifice in a grander game of global dominance. Now let's unravel another layer of the 
massive puzzle in our next segment, Unraveling the Backdoor to War Theory. Our journey begins with the McCollum Memo, dated October 7th, 1940, allegedly written by Lieutenant Commander Arthur H. McCollum of the Office of the Naval Intelligence. The memo outlined strategies to provoke Japan into making a military move. The intent of this memo was fiercely debated among the historians, with interpretations ranging from genuine strategic planning of conspiracy. The strategic positioning of the Pacific fleets, critics of the backdoor to war theory, point to a strategic positioning of the Pacific Fleet of Pearl Harbor. Some argue that the vulnerability of this fleet was intentional, but with the aim of ensuring a devastating attack that would serve as a rally cry for Americans to enter the war. However, historical analysis suggests that the decision was not malicious, but a misjudgment of potential threats. Proponents of this theory often cite economic and strategic motivations. They suggest that certain elements within the U.S. government, driven by military and economic interests, were eager to the American involvement in this war. The belief was that the entry in the conflict would boost the nation's economy, particularly going through the lucrative military contracts. Everyone, I know everyone's seen like you know war dogs and all that kind of stuff. That's kind of what this is alluding to. It's a critical note to the backdoor to war theory is among a controversial and lacks widespread acceptance among historians. The majority argue the attack on Pearl Harbor was a genuine surprise as a result of the intelligence failures, miscalculations rather than intentional maneuvering. As the smoke of Pearl Harbor began to clear, a different kind of fog set in. Fog of deception. Picture a nation grappling in the shock of the attack, its collective gaze clouded by misinformation, hidden truths, and different anonymous things that are happening, right? Unraveling the deception takes heart in the office of the Naval Intelligence, the ONI, where pivotal moments unfolded with the diaries of the vital positions at O2. On December 6th, 1941, where Admiral Turner expressed his fears of the sudden Japanese attack on Manila, the tensions are palpable. Of the tensions of the the, the tension is palpable. And then at four at, at two o'clock, fourteen hundred, a critical meeting transpires. Everyone that is present, including Director Admiral Wilkinson, Captain McComb, and Lieutenant Commander Kramer, discuss the position of the two carriers set in Honolulu as they were feel, revealed on December second, nineteen forty-one. In this secret gathering, the question arises, why are these characters, carriers positioned there? In this secret gathering, the question arises, why are these carriers positioned there? The answer provided is shrouded in uncertainty, perhaps in connection with these Japanese reports then with the eventual American actions, right? Diary entries point a vivid picture of prevailing tensions that unease the ONI. No one, no one. It seems speaks that it, it, it speaks of a possible attack with that you see in the air of Honolulu. This revelation changes our assumptions and plunges us into the realm of questioning. Why are these carriers in the specific location? What is they why are they deliberately withholding this information? The diary entries hint with a disconnect between what was known and what was shared. And as we navigate through the canals of history, it becomes clear that the fog of war extends beyond the battlefield, clouding the judgment and the decisions of those entrusted to safeguard this nation. These diary entries documented in the Dutch Presented in George Victor's The Pearl Harbor Myth Ranking is Unthinkable, unveils a layer of the Pearl Harbor narrative that often remains obscured. The entries offer a glimpse into the minds of the figures of the ONI, raising the intriguing possibility that critical information was either overlooked or intentionally kept in the shadow. As we unravel this deception, consider the impact of these diary entries and the border understanding of these events leading up to Pearl Harbor. The tense state of mind in the ONI became a window into the world of information, where it motivates the actions that are intertwined, shaping the destiny of a nation in the brink of war. 
Denial is a potent force, a veil that shields the mind from the uncomfortable truth. As we explore the aftermath of Pearl Harbor, we will see the power of denial playing a vital role in shaping the public perception. But denial isn't exclusive to one moment in history. It's a force that echoes through time. Consider the Gulf, the Tungsten incident during the Vietnam War. In 1964, the U.S. claimed that the North Vietnamese boats had attacked the U.S. Navy destroyers in the Gulf of Tonkin. This incident served as a justification for escalated U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, yet the event unfolded became clear that the information provided to the public wasn't entirely accurate. Reports emerged that suggesting that the second attack, a linchpin in justifying the military action, might not have occurred as initially described. In the aftermath, the power of denial came into play. The official narrative was not taken root, and the descending voices faced resistance. The truth took years to emerge revealing that the incident had been mischaracterized. The power of denial was a big thing, right? In this case, specifically, influenced the public's uh, perception of the Vietnam War and contributed to the prolonged and controversial conflict. Now let's bring this back to Pearl Harbor. In the wake of 1941, a similar dynamic unfolded. The official narrative was carefully crafted to minimize the controversy, became a cornerstone of the nation's identity. A dissenting voice, they existed, have been met with skepticism, labeled as an unpatriotic or dismissed conspirator. The echoes of denial extended beyond the specific events they shaped. And we understand that our history as ourselves, as a nation, the power of denial, intentional and subconscious, leaves an imprint of collective consequences. As we unravel these, complex of the, uh, these complexities of the public perception in the aftermath of Pearl Harbor, remember that the denial is not just an individual act. It's a collective force that can shape the course of history. The Gulf of Tonkin incident serves as a potent reminder that the manipulation of information coupled with the power of denial can significantly impact the public perception and contribute to a narrative that may take over years to unravel. In the shadows of history, denial becomes a force that shapes not only the events of the past, but also how we interpret them in the present. As we kind of wrap this up, guys, with this daring journey into the sinister shadows of history, I hope the exploration was ignited in your curiosity and challenged your perspectives as you guys see now. We have separated fact from fiction and delved into the sinister historical context and debunked the claims that surround the controversial theory. Thank you for joining us today, guys. This is the Big Man's Commander Podcast, and I encourage any of you guys to reach out with questions or feedback. And remember, sinister historical inquiry is an ongoing journey. Until next time, stay curious and stay questioning. And don't forget, guys, this is just a conspiracy. We're just having fun here. And if you guys want to do more of your own research, do more of your own research. If you guys want to look around and check this all out, I implore you to. But always remember, stay curious and stay questioning.